0: Hey friends, thanks for joining us on the Changed Movement podcast. For more resources, visit ChangedMovement.com or follow us on Instagram. Let's get started. Go
1: Elizabeth.
0: I was just going to say we have the wonderful privilege of being with Andrew Komisky today, who um, we're hoping will just take it away and give us all, in part, as much wisdom as he possibly can in 30 minutes or so. But So Andrew Komisky is the founder of Desert Streams Ministries, and many of us have um benefited from the Living Waters program within that ministry and um, so Andrew, maybe you could start with just a little bit of your your story your background and okay. then, um, You know the changed Facebook is full of Lots of individuals who are kind of on the journey out mm-hmm. of the experience and so mm-hmm. Maybe you could give us some wisdom some of your thoughts. What's on your heart today?
2: Good. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I love change. Love you guys. I want to keep uh, changing. <laughs> so I'm all about change. <laughs> I, do, I wanna, and... Present participle. I'm still changing. Um, but, uh, yeah. And I also love um, California. I'm Californian. And so uh, very much sort of a child of That soil and, you know, the blessing and the challenges of growing up in a beach town in Southern California. And, you know, pretty good family. I can't hang all of my brokenness on my family. They could probably hang some of theirs on me. You know, like kind of a middle class, you know, slightly clueless reality. I would say culture contributed so much to uh early exposure to things that I should not have been exposed to combined with um you know pretty persistent insecurity in regards to my own masculine integrity and confidence and so early on I began to act out in sort of beach culture and it wasn't that difficult to do it it um, wasn't that taboo, I did not have a strong religious thing going on that on on a good way, in a good way would have been restraining, in a negative way could have resulted in hyper shame, you know, I, I probably needed shame, you know, I probably needed more of an experience of I shouldn't be doing this stuff, and um, that was less than just sort of the sensationalism of growing up um, in that reality. I was pretty detached from my family and particularly my two older brothers who were a little bit more traditional and, you know, slightly mean-spirited. So they didn't make it easy to identify with them. But I think I was beginning, say, in pre-adolescence and teenage years, to be forging an identity of not being like normal people. So there was kind of a pride in my uniqueness and the things that I liked and how I saw myself, which is a defense and it's also pride, you know, and that was all sort of at work. Um, But my brothers became Christians in sort of the wave of the Holy Spirit in the 70s and late 70s that was sweeping over Southern California, and sort of up and down the coast, really, Um, the the sort of alternative communities were turning to Jesus and were becoming Jesus communities. And my, my older brothers were among them. And, you know, they have very different ways of acting out than I did, but they certainly had their own. So when they became Christians, they actually became very kind, and their kindness was winsome. And... Invitational to me. And so they provided the bridge for me to say, you know, maybe my life and I, as soon as I graduated, I moved in with a guy and was on the beach, uh, living by the beach and was gay identified. And, um, you know, I I had pretty much a lot of freedom to be that. But um, I was also kind of a slave to it. And I think I reckoned with that fairly early on because I had been active for so long, from high school on into university days. And uh, my brothers provided a bridge in their kindness. They hadn't been kind before. Jesus made them kind. And as an adult, I began to think about Jesus differently. Like, well, maybe he would help me. I I need help. And so um, just took some steps, you know, sort of got saved. I don't think I had this expectation of everything changing. I think I knew I was just getting to know this Jesus. I didn't know him. And I figured it was going to be a relationship that would change me the more I knew him. But I didn't know him, really. I didn't really know who he was, except that... I did have the witness of the spirit and I I did believe what they said if you pray a prayer and if you keep praying prayers and if you keep trying to to find him you you will change and I thought well I really need to change <laughs> but I don't know how and I also don't know what I'm changing into I didn't really want to be heterosexual or you know, I, I, I wasn't that ashamed of, of being gay-identified, but I didn't like who I was becoming. I don't think I was becoming better. I think I was becoming self-concerned and sad. And mm, people that I knew would kind of say, why are you talking like that? What, what what's going on, you know, they could see I was sort of morphing a little bit, you know, into, into a person, I don't know, wasn't crazy about that person, so I just tried to grow in Jesus, and, um, you know, had a couple kind of bad church experiences where I didn't feel met or known, it's. I found it hard to gain traction in the church, a little bit. Um, but there were a lot of young people in my community who were seeking. Um, I was at UCLA and the Vineyard Church. Um, there were kind of a lot of sort of variations on the Jesus People Church scene. Maybe the first was Calvary Chapel, and then Vineyard came out of that. In some ways, Bethel is an expression of this sort of coastal lineage of of spirit-filled, let's just sort of make this available to people who have need. And, um, and so I did find traction in this early yes. vineyard expression, the first vineyard actually, um, in West Los Angeles. And I really plugged in there. I really liked it because it was earthy and worshipful, and it was also smart. So they, they believed in an insightful approach to the care of persons. It wasn't sort of flesh versus spirit. It was spirit housed in humanity. And so we have to deal with our humanity. And that just made sense to me. Of course I have to deal with my sexuality and my identity and my history. Those things were not intention for me. I just kind of knew you had to deal with that stuff if you wanted to become clearer in your true self. So the vineyard was helpful there and they were so helpful and I was getting better. Uh, As a man, I'd stopped acting out homosexually. I don't think I really wanted to, go into the whole world of dating and so on. But I had friends who kind of said, well, why, why wouldn't you date? Like, why are you so different? And I think I'd resolve the fact that maybe there wasn't any such thing as a homosexual per se in God's eyes. In other words, I was getting a God centered vision for humanity and sort of how God made us is how we are. And even if we don't feel it or we we are uncomfortable feeling differently. That's our discomfort. We don't project that onto God or sort of create these false selves. But uh, I mean, that sounds good ideologically. I think in practice to sort of put yourself out there is a much more challenging thing. And it was through good friends who challenged me and just said, well, why don't you just put yourself out there, you know? I mean, where are you going with this? (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not sure, actually. But uh, I I did meet some women that I thought were cool, and I met one whom I thought was really cool, and she was a newbie at this vineyard place. And so we started hanging out, and I liked her. I I, I wasn't really crazy sexually towards all women, which is probably a good thing, you know? For everybody concerned, but I think when you're engaging with someone intentionally, you actually do want to um, uh, you want to desire them, and you want that you know you, you want to be motivated not only chemically but chemically you know you want you want the charge of I, I'm I'm desiring the whole of you, um, not just sort of fun friend friendliness i i I want you and um so that was beginning to happen which was kind of cool and um and my pastors could see this happening and they said why don't you start helping people who are similarly coming into our church but they're having a hard time sticking around because they don't really know people who get them and kind of like i had been for a few years And so my wife and I started gathering with them, and it was fun and hard. And we learned through doing the inductive approach to learning. And we had a lot of good help. Leanne Payne had just written a couple books, and I consumed those. Um, Exodus, early, early, early Exodus was doing some things, particularly in the San Francisco area. We were in L.A., and that was helpful. Um... I was going in a different direction professionally, but in the midst of all of this, I actually started going to seminary, to Fuller Seminary in Pasadena after uh, UCLA. So there were a lot of good things happening. Vineyard was sort of taking off, and um, I was growing in my understanding of the process of change and how Jesus helps us to, to live whole lives, more or less whole lives, whole enough lives whole enough to be good offerings, not confusing offerings to people. And I was experiencing it, this with this woman who was to become my wife, not right away, of course. And um, so that's kind of how Desert Stream started many years ago. And um, it's just kind of continued. And our main goal has always been to equip lay persons who are dealing with sexual issues. At first, it was only people with same-sex attraction, but then it it became many different kinds of sexual problems. Many of the persons that had more traditional idolatry, um, they wanted help, they wanted in, and we were helping people, and they could see that persons coming out of homosexuality were, were being cared for, were becoming fruitful members of the church. And they said, I want that. I'm, I'm living a kind of isolated, disconnected life in my in my version of idolatry. So would you help me? And we thought, yeah, that really makes sense. My wife didn't come out of this, but she had a lot of sexual abuse in her history and a lot of fears, just a lot of fear of relating. And I think she liked me because... I wasn't, I I was maybe gentle. I was a little bit more self-aware. And she liked that. I mean, you know, you, you kind of work with what you have, right? And God honors that. And so we began dealing with a lot of people coming out of trauma. And of course, all the addictions and, you know, porn went from, you know, kind of shaming yourself in theaters and seedy areas. To you know anything you want at the touch of your fingers you know behind your desk, and um, so so many needs for people to actually gather responsibly with others, for the person for, for the purpose of living uh, increasingly undivided lives. everyone hates hypocrites, um, but we're, we're all inclined to that because especially if your vulnerabilities are sexual, there is something inherently hidden about our sexuality. There should be. In the best sense, you should, you should be modest and, and you should work this out with persons that you love and that you can be naked with and unashamed. So when, by God's grace, you experience shame and you think, this isn't right. I, I'm not living according to my best self. You know, Um, you actually do need to come into the light. You have to come into a place that is boundary, but trustworthy, where you have good reason to think that people that you're sharing with are not going to use it against you and are actually through the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus And just their growth and awareness as persons is going to treat you with dignity and that your openness, even if it's bringing to light difficult things, is going to result in less shame and greater clarity in the choices that we need to make to love people responsibly and to treat ourselves decently. And I hope that's what we have helped people to do over the years. Living Waters is a 20-week thing run by persons and has lots of different dimensions to it. Not, not so esoteric or so complicated, or it couldn't and shouldn't be run by laypersons in the context of local churches. I'm, I'm a big believer in the laity doing the work. Because we need walking partners and we don't have so much money and we can't just rely upon the PhD that we can see 50 minutes a week maybe if we have insurance or something um, I love therapy and all that but I'd rather I'd rather find relationships that are responsible that can become partnerships that enable me to walk and work this out where I worship because If I can't do that where I'm worshiping Jesus, I know the depth and the power of my false worship. I know where I'll go if I'm not known and actually working it out where I'm really trying to love this Jesus. And, you know, everyone and their dog is coming out of the closet with some gender variation. So why can't we responsibly and humbly, I hope, come out? and say, well, I love Jesus, and because I love him, I want to be open about this thing that um, I, I carry into my Christianity, and I bring it up for the purpose of wanting to invite his rule and reign here, trusting him, that I can talk with him, and I can talk with his people, and bringing these things into the light is going to be an opportunity for change for transformation and um, so
0: could i ask you a couple of questions?
2: sure yeah please blah blah blah
0: <laughs> change me living waters is um, ken and i both really love living waters not even not just if you have a same-sex attraction issue but it's an a, Um, such a powerful leadership training program for pastors because it immerses the pastor in the program, as opposed to just lecturing you and giving you a list of things to go through with the individual. So, I mean, any of you out there who are like, I really need a community. I need a resource to go deep with where it's safe. We really recommend living, living waters, but Annie, in your own life, what are some of the key, the key revelations like can you think of three key revelations or in your life with Jesus even that have been um, essential for you over the last years
2: yes absolutely Uh, maybe a couple things that come to mind are um, just living as somebody who gazes at the face of Jesus. So uh, I'm, I'm Catholic actually. Uh, I didn't start that way, nor, nor was I initially sort of, you know, kid Catholic um, wasn't really a kid, anything. I was a confused kid. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I, you know, became evangelical charismatic and then became Catholic. So, Honestly, con- con- contemplating Jesus, um, looking into his lovely face, um, and believing that 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 he looks at me, and his eyes are always on me, and that his eyes are tender and compassionate, that my greatest task is just to be loved to open myself to the love that he's won. Anything less, it seems, um, adds to the work of the cross. So I love the cross and, and, and what Jesus did and keeps doing through his blood, which I believe is has made him want nothing more than to love me. I mean, period, honestly, whether I'm doing well or not, or feel good or not. So I, I just, honestly, I know this sounds so silly. I just spend time before him, just being loved by him. I, I I love this. I love the divine mercy. It's this like devotional thing in the Catholic Church, but it's just Jesus just looking at you. <laughs> with this like beam of light and love and blood and water coming out of his heart. And I just like, just sit in front of it and just go, love me, please. (laughs) So that's how I start the day, like for about an hour. And so I start the day like that because then when I go through my day, I just call that to mind all the time. Like, I just want to live in the light of that. So to me that, that, means everything because I know he knows what I feel. He knows what I'm going through and I receive the love. And then I just talk with him, talk about, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't, I'm not loving my wife that well. I'm distracted and she's missing me and I'm, I'm somewhere else. So Lord, I'm so sorry. Just help me to be open to her. if i'm feeling insecure or maybe inclined to old stuff, I just talk to him and just say, "Lord, would you shore me up today would you Would you shore up those weak areas so I guess that's the main thing is that I live in that flow of him loving me and then just talking to him about what's of blocking me blocking me from being able to offer myself to him to others it's really simple and then maybe the other thing yeah please
1: yeah can i just uh so i've i've done living waters three times i did it um as a suicidal 17 year old um in 1990 and then i did it again in like 2002 and then, of course, Elizabeth and I and our friend Roger, we went through it together, I think, three years ago with you in the in yeah. just a week-long intensive. And yeah. I just I just remember, you know, so many people that, are, that will be watching this are somewhere in the middle of their journey, right? And some mm-hmm. will be at, toward the beginning of mm-hmm. their journey. And one of the things, the revelations that was so, um, it was a paradigm shift for me as a 17-year-old, was the idea that you could sit before God and that he would be willing to approach you. You know, the, the idea that me coming with all of my failures, all of the things I wasn't doing right, all the ways I was acting out or addicted or, you know, obsessed with sexuality or with men, all of that junk, I was able to actually approach God. I I mean, I could not, it it probably took me years. I don't remember, but to, to be able to absorb that reality, but I got that from living waters. I, I didn't get that in my, in my, um, we were at church three times a week, you know, uh, as a family. And if anything, that experience told me that I couldn't approach God. I mean, I'm sure they never preached that, but, but your, you know, you, this revelation that you were offering to us um, allowed me to approach God and,
2: wow.
1: and just to, you know, to be able to be valuable enough to be known by another person even. Yeah. And so I just, I I just, before you're done, I don't know if now's the time or at the end, but just for you to pray that over everyone that's watching, because I know so many don't feel They they feel like they are their sin, but they're not. They're not aware that really they're a lot more than that because of Jesus' sacrifice, and that He wants to know them. I mean, like, if that's the only thing you contributed to the earth, I feel like that we would all won because you can't. It's like I could never get started if I didn't start there. You know what I mean?
2: Exactly. Yes. What do you
1: What do you have to say about that? Or yeah,
2: I love that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I that that's beautiful and um, I I do think the combination of this access to this Jesus who, who looks upon us lovingly and who knows who really knows what we feel. I don't mean just what we've done or not done. Or, but he knows yeah. what we feel. He knows, and he knows why we feel that way. So if it's a same-sex attraction and some kind of relational entanglement or obsession or deep loneliness, then it's fair game to offer that to him. And then to combine that with learning the language that enables us to share that with other people and to, in a good way to break things down, to not only to not have to identify according to our lusts or our disordered desires, we don't have to identify with that, but we can also say, Jesus, you know this Stream in me, this river in me that wants to come out of itself and engage with other people, even if it's badly or you know, in a way that'm not so proud of could you can you help me? I mean, can you cleanse it a little bit? Can you help me redirect it? Can you help me understand it? Why do I feel like this? You know why am I a man who it, you know at times I'm almost obsessed with another man or with a, a version or a vision of masculinity that I don't really see as being mine but I want it you know mm-hmm. want to make it as mine why is that and to to that's a really good question you know like yeah why do I want who I am you know why do I want? something in somebody else that I already possess, you know, it's not like that with my wife. She's not like Mm. me, you know, Uh, she's so different from me. And that's, that's part of the dance of, of being able to be fruitful with somebody. But when you're always sort of in a way that you don't even grasp operating out of this deficit that I'm, I'm, I'm not quite enough. I, i'm i've got to fill in this gap, but i 'm never quite able to do it uh, you know i I wanted to get on with my life I wanted to get on with at least being a better gift to others in that way, not being self concerned and I think to be able to bring that question into the light of Jesus and others and to discover Love that is there from Jesus, of course, but as it comes through the body, is a really beautiful thing. And to me, is the source of hope that I live out of, you know? And, and I think hope is just that. It's not everything, because like Paul says, hope, hope that we've completely realized we don't hope for anymore. But I have experienced that in my bones, and it keeps me expecting for more, for more that the Lord has. And if I have that hope, then I can really offer it to other people, and I can speak of it with a vibrancy after all these years. And I know that's what you guys are about, you know, as you. As, as, as you mobilize to make known the transforming power of Jesus, you're, you're engendering hope in people that didn't really think or know that Jesus could touch that and were able to say from our depths, it is from our depths because our sexuality is always in a not the deepest place, but a pretty profound place. So when we speak of Jesus helping us there, we're we're testifying of, of a very deep and liberating hope for all persons. And so I'm so grateful to Jesus and to his body. Honestly, churches like Bethel, Vineyard, uh that believe that and they say oh come 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 of course we believe that of course jesus does that and um so there you go so
1: beautiful thank you i well you can you can continue on you you might have had another thing or two on your mind or no
2: um i'm good yeah
0: Why don't we, if you wouldn't mind, just praying over all of us, releasing importation if you can. Sure,
2: yeah. So, Father, I thank you that you know us and you love us. And it's because you made us and you care about us. And you went to great length to make a way for us to welcome your love. Open to the love that is there. And like the psalmist, we say all of our desires lie open before you, Jesus. And so we don't have to be afraid. You you already know what they are. And I ask God in your great love and mercy for us. And the tenderness that just flows out of your eyes towards us. The living water that unblocks our fear or our doubt that routes our shame we ask that you might just love us today that you would awaken hope again if if we've if we've been disappointed or aren't sure or maybe I don't know, maybe we're just, we've discovered this is kind of complicated. Maybe it's taking longer than we thought it would or should. Father, I ask that even that would become an opportunity to trust you more and to to be loved by you more. We know only your love invites us into the deeper areas or you can touch and heal us. Father, I pray for each one who in whatever state they are, uh, is an agent of your living water. As we, as we speak of our struggle, as we speak of our victory, as we speak of our hope, we know that living waters go, goes forth, that it invites those who have been deadened by the enemy and just by the spirit of this age to hope again. Maybe a little bit they'll be kicked back, but regardless of whether we get kicked back, we know that the hope has gone out and that that hope will not return void, but that even the deadest hearts are not finished yet because that living water still is and is mightier than unbelief. So oh, I pray for power on the word of each person's story to bring the dead to life, to cause dead heart tissue to become alive and pink and full of blood and water, able to live, able to bring life into deadened parts of their own body, to their own churches, to their own communities. We ask for this, God. You went the distance to win us. And we want to see dozens and hundreds and thousands won by the ground that you have taken and are still taking in our lives. We ask for this, God. We ask for this in this June LGBT month, that this would be a month of victory Not just embracing ourselves and rolling our eyes and saying, Oh, another round of false testimonies. Lord, we ask that what is real and true and beautiful would come forth from us and would invite persons who are good people but deceived to come into something better for them and for their loved ones. We ask for this, Jesus. We know it's in your heart. And we thank you for entrusting our hearts with a share of yours. I thank you for change, this wonderful movement. I thank you for the mobilizing of witnesses, for the changing of churches and communities and states and nations. We know that you have nothing less on your mind, Jesus. And though we're just one part of it, we are a part of it. And so we matter to your greater advance and we, we receive that afresh today. Renew our hope for the change that you have begun that you will finish. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, Andy. That's That's beautiful. We're so grateful for for who you are and for all that you've offered to the earth. It's just wouldn't be the same without you.
2: Oh, well, thanks. And you too, guys. I so love you. You're my friends. You're among the best in California. And <laughs> that, that has meaning to me, wherever you came from. I mean, everyone came from someplace else, but you're holding ground there. And I love that. And of course, going out from there. So. Bless you. Love you. Thank you for including me. And um, we will keep talking.
0: Yeah. Well, let me, goodbye, everybody. Thanks for joining us this morning.
1: Thanks,
0: uh, And we will see you again next Friday at the same time. Blessings, everybody. Thanks for listening. We're glad you joined us. For more content, visit changemovement.com and follow us on social media. And remember, Changed is possible.